He's handsome and smart. A true blue Jets and Knights fan. A part of Australia's Hollywood royalty. From General Hospital to Occupation Rainfall, NCIS LA to All Saints. Newcastle Live Radio's very own Novacastrian in Hollywood. It's time to cross to LA to catch up with Zach Garrod. It certainly is time to cross to LA and catch up with Zach Garrett. It's a little bit overcast in LA today, a little bit uh, the same as what it is here in Newcastle. Good morning, my friend. How are you? <laughs> the, the word over is used often over here, you know, overacted, <laughs> overdone, <laughs> overcast, you know, but I'm very, the word over overcast is, is, is not one we, yeah, over it is not one we have too often. So yeah, the marine layer has crept in this afternoon and it's very, very welcome. That's uh, It's quite bizarre, isn't it? That photograph that you sent me, it's uh, very rarely do you see that over, over LA, do you? It's actually quite nice. It was really humid today and it's quite nice. So we, we went out today because it was Alison's birthday during the week. So we went and had uh, went and had a little brunch at a place down in Hollywood. Then we went for a couple of cocktails afterwards at the rooftop bar at, uh, at um, Grandmaster Recording. And it was, you know, the, the, the clouds rolled in from the ocean because we usually get the marine layer in the afternoon to cool things down. But yeah, it had a real sort of humid sort of feel, Sydney humid sort of feel to it wow. today. So it's actually kind of cool. It's the kind of weather where people stand around and go, oh, my God, like this is this is so different. Wow. <laughs> it, like they're, <laughs> they're experiencing weather for the first time. <laughs> you just go, yeah, whatever. We're used to that. That's normal for us. Exactly. And people from Dallas are going, excuse me, what? Yeah, ex- yeah exactly. <laughs> what? Wake up. Seriously, LA people, they just, uh, I mean, most of them are transports anyway, they're transplants in yeah. anyway, but uh, they are a strange breed, aren't they, the, uh, the Los Angelan person? Yeah, the Angelinos, I love them. I absolutely mm. love them for that very reason. It, it's uh, it, it's very entertaining. It's always entertaining. <laughs> I mean, Allison's from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, so you know it's the it's the heart of humidity for this country. Mm. Um, and, and whenever there's weather here of any kind, it, it's hilarious the way things change. And people who are from other places, people who are transients or transplants, and they come here. And then they start to freak out when it rains. They're like, oh, my God, I'm from Seattle. This shouldn't be happening to me. So it's sort of like it, it's, a, it's a barometer, if you will, to use a, the, the weather analogy, mm-hmm. um, of telling how long you've been here when weather begins to affect you. And I've had it. When I go back to – I know I shouldn't bring up the rain. and There's mm-hmm. way too much rain right now. But whenever I'm back in, in Newcastle or or, um, or Sydney or Byron or anywhere like that and you feel the storms in the afternoon, you go, oh, this is great. This is fantastic. You know, I'm standing out there. <laughs> I'm standing out there like, like the end of the Shawshank Redemption, you know, like Tim Robbins having the the, 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 the rain fall over me. It, it's I it's love very it. funny. God, you're hilarious. <laughs> now, obviously, it wasn't a great uh, great weekend to be a, uh, a Newcastle sporting fan. Uh, the Newcastle Jets went down. Uh, no longer, we're not going to get through into the round of 16. And the Newcastle yeah. Knights fell again. But mm. what's been making news over there, of course, is uh, is the Manly jersey. Now, uh, obviously, yeah. it exploded over here, as you could imagine. And, uh, yeah, it even made uh, made news over there. Yeah, but they were talking about in the context of representation in sport um, on ESPN, and it, it was sort of like a peripheral conversation. But it was something that did come up because, for, like, obviously the whole thing was driven by seven players from Manly who are Christian and who believe who don't didn't want to be associated with the rainbow representation on the jersey, which... You know, on face value, it's pretty petty, really, when you, when you look yeah. at it contextually. It's like, really, guys, come on. I think Trent Robinson sums it up really well when he said that uh, it's 2022. Are we really still having this? Mm. Um, now, Absolutely. of course, they're, they're, they said that they felt they weren't consulted in the process, and that's what meant that that's what led them not to wear it. But having said that, 
Ian Roberts, who was an icon of Manly and the first openly great gay rugby league player, came out and said how, how appalled he was at it. Now, the conversation here was about players standing up for their rights and saying, you know, oh, they should be allowed to stand up for their rights and, and say what they like. But the thing is, too, you're playing for a club that has these values mm-hmm. and represents these things. Now, LAFC, um, the, the football team here that has only been around for about six, seven years, pride is a huge part of the club. It is actually a big part of the, the community of the club. The players go to the pride parade over here when they have it every June. Angel City FC, which is the female um, football team that is that, uh, that that's uh, the sister club of LAFC, if you will, um, they have the same thing. So the pride element is a big, big part of the community here. And you're talking about a team that has Christian athletes from South America, Christian athletes from Africa, mm. from all across America. Okay. Now, of course, as we know, the <laughs> the hard, the, the most robust fundamentalist Christian principles come from the United States, mm. as we're aware. We're not, not Catholic. We're not talking about the Catholics. We're talking like the hardcore, fundamentalist, hard-right Christian preachers come from here. Now, you still have teams in this competi- in, in the NFL, in the NBA, uh, the biggest, most commercial enterprises in, sport, in the sporting landscape embracing pride in every step of the way. LeBron James does it every year for the LA Lakers. Mm. So I think the, the, the conversation here that, that I saw was mostly around, oh, well, good on these players for standing up for it. But what are they standing up for? Yeah. If, you, if you're talking specifically about Christian values, then, you know, theoretically you shouldn't be wearing gambling logos on your, on your jersey. Or alcohol. And there are some Islam. Mm. Or alcohol, exactly. Mm. Or playing on a Sunday. Mm. If you, um, Will Hopawati, Will Hopawati from Canterbury, he was, I think he was Mormon. He, was, he, he refused to play on a Sunday because it went against his beliefs, but he was upfront up about that. You cannot pick and choose what you believe in for your faith okay it's as simple as that you're either all in or you're all out now just because you we have to recognize just because it's morally it's morally expected to understand that there are gay people out there in the community Mm. who probably feels still feel marginalized ian roberts was one of them and here we are having this conversation and paul gallon saying stupid things and just saying silly things like oh well look well you know it's like everybody has a woman in their life who's affected them and so not everybody has been affected in the same way by the gay community. It's not about you. It's about the community. It's about the gay community that has already gone through so much and still goes through so much. Every day. And every single day, every single day. Um, we've talked about it over here. Right now in Florida, we still have the Don't Say Gay Bill that's standing up, that, that Ron DeSantis is pushing through. So it is there. It is always going to be there. And you have no idea the power that sport has to make these people feel welcome. Josh Cavallo from, um, from Adelaide United, when he came out last year, I think he's the, he's the first openly gay player to play in any national league under a, FIFA logo, under a FIFA banner. He came out as gay and Adelaide United did a fantastic job rallying around him and standing up for him. And Manly it appears has um, has quite seriously dropped the ball on this one. They have in a, in a big way. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, the reporting came out. Uh, there was a, a, a Western Sydney University professor who uh, who really blamed, um, you know, the missionaries who, who went over and uh, and colonised yeah. a lot of these these Polynesian countries. And that's where it's coming from. It's coming out of these, these missionaries saying, you know, homosexuality is wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. Yes. It's our fault that they've been taught these laws. And, you know, it's... It's just, it's so sad. And it was so wonderful to see that Manly jersey out there on Thursday night. It was just yeah. wonderful. And it's sold out. So, you know, there's there's what the people think. 
Yeah, exactly right. And you're talking about Sydney, which is the home to the to I think it's one of the the original, mm. one of the oldest celebrations of uh, of community for the LGBTIQ community with the Mardi Gras. And then you've got one of the biggest clubs in one of the biggest sporting enterprises in Australia who tries to take some initiative with this and they get this kind of backlash. Now, I understand the players' apprehension of perhaps not being consulted in this process, but at the very least, stand up and talk about it. Mm. Step forward and say why you're not wearing this. Don't sit in the background and go, oh, we're just going to go quietly. I just don't want to wear it. I'm just not going to do it. Don't, don't make it as some sort of, you know, um, some sort of uh, um, dramatic stand mm. against something and then not actually be assertive about what you're trying to stand for it just it, otherwise you, you just generally look like you're picking and choosing and i know people have said oh they're not homophobic they're not homophobic fine maybe they're not homophobic that's that's probably true that is probably true but what they're doing is not helping the community it's making them feel more marginalized absolutely now listen the uh the f- most meaningful and the first uh, gun legislation since clinton in 94 um was passed finally this is a big move for the u.s yeah, this is this is kind of melancholy because th- this is an assault weapons ban that, that's basically a, it's it's essentially a carbon copy of the Clinton bill in '94, which barred assault rifles. Now, during that time, casualties mass shootings still occurred, but casualties for mass shootings were much lower between '94 and 2004. When the bill expired in 2004, the the Bush administration did not renew it. Now, of course, we've seen how many assault rifles have been used and just how many mass shootings here. So it's it's quite apparent that you take the guns away, the likelihood of, of mass fatalities from mass shootings drops. It's just it's it's common sense. Um, now, it has passed the Congress. It, it passed by a margin of 217 to 214, mm. pretty much down party lines, more or less. However, it is unlikely to pass the Senate. Because America, in all its in all its democratic wisdom, requires a supermajority to pass something through the Senate. So instead of having fifty one forty nine, it's passed. It's got to be sixty to forty, I believe. And they're very unlikely to get any support from uh, from from Republicans in the Senate on this bill. So essentially, it's going to be symbolic more than anything else, um, which is which is frustrating. It's mm, really really frustrating. It's the last time an assault, yeah, because the assault weapons ban would stop. AR-15s being purchased, any magazine over 15 rounds being purchased. You can't uh, carry semi-automatic pistols, semi-automatic shotguns, anything that can be used, obviously, to kill people en masse will be banned. (laughs) Which I think to every other country in the world, objectively, is a pretty good thing. Yeah. But here in the United States, of course, as we know, there's a very powerful lobby here called the NRA, who seem to believe that everybody's right to own a gun is sacrosanct, and it's just it's just absurd. It really is. And I actually heard uh, our uh, our prime minister was on CNN this morning, and uh, oh really? Know, yeah, and basically saying, you know, this is what happened here in Australia. We bought back the guns. We haven't had a mass shooting since Port Arthur. It works. Yeah. It works. Yeah, I was quite fascinated that CNN, uh, yeah, spoke to the Australian Prime Minister this morning, and uh, it'll be interesting to see it, what momentum happens. Yeah, it, it's something that has that does have the groundswell behind it. Sixty percent of people from a Fox News poll support assault weapon bans. A Fox it, News it's poll. It's as simple as that. A Fox News poll. Sixty percent mm. of people from a Fox News poll. Um, my mate's husband Kyle works for MSNBC, and he was talking about this this week. And he said sixty percent of people from a Fox News poll believe assault weapons should be banned. 
or at the very least, only in the hands of professionals, you know, mm. military, security, military, yeah. all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a military mm. weapon. Exactly. It's a military weapon. It's meant to kill. It's like someone was saying uh, at, at, the, at the hearing, I think, for the Uvardi victims, which is ongoing now, and, of course, the police have, have had catastrophic failures across many levels in the response to that. Um, one of the doctors who was talking there was talking about the weapons that were used and these weapons are used to shoot through helmets they're meant to to try to shoot through armor now rewinding about 30 years 40 years we had the famous north hollywood shootout which was at a i think it was a chase bank in north hollywood and the assailants of that particular um that particular armed robbery had military grade armor and semi-automatic weapons because <sighs> you could buy it it was all readily available in the 1980s 1980s 1990s um after they did that and they shot it out with the police and i think i think two or three police officers were killed they then eliminated the ability for people to access this kind of material this kind of hardware and the same thing applies here so for some reason when the police are outgunned and outmatched they make a big change to the laws however when 19 kids are killed in an elementary school mm. no i think mm. we just got to draw a line there yeah it's ridiculous absolutely now what's the latest with roe v wade well, as you know, of course, that's still happening. Mm. <laughs> two, two interesting things happened this week. One, Prince Harry, uh, of course, admonished um, the Supreme Court for their decision. He was at the United Nations and he, he, he attacked the Supreme Court for the decision that they have made winding back the rights of women across the United States. The second, and, and Justice Alito was in Rome. So Justice Alito, of course, some people may remember, his memo was the one that was leaked mm. about three months ago. And he was the one, he's the one who I think referenced in his memo um, uh, the desire to wind back things like gay marriage mm -hmm. as well. Um, Obergefell is, is what it's called. So I, th I think it was his memo that mentioned that. He was giving a lecture in Rome to a bunch of, uh, a bunch of professors about religious principles and religious values in law. And he attacked, <laughs> he attacked Prince Harry for attacking him <laughs> over it. He, he, sa he said something about how the Constitution uh, doesn't... Uh, I, I failed to see how a foreign leader, I'm paraphrasing here, mm. how a foreign leader attacking our, our judicial system is in any way beneficial for anything. How dare they, more or less. <sighs> However, within his own country right now, North Dakota and Missouri, you may remember in our conversations, had trigger laws in place to immediately outlaw abortion. Like, no questions asked, even in the case of rape and incest, which, as we know, <laughs> in Ohio has occurred most recently. So it's, it happens and it's disgusting. Um, but the judges at the federal courts in North Dakota and Missouri have actually stopped those trigger laws from going into place. So neither of those states are able to implement it right, th right now. So abortion is still protected in these states. So even though Roe versus Wade may have been struck down by the Supreme Court, there are states, even the most conservative of them, where the judges are saying this is absurd, this is a human right, even though they are conservative mm. judges, sometimes they've been appointed by the Trump administration. They're saying, no, this goes against the very values and principles of the law in this country. That's great to see. Yeah. yeah. yeah so it, it's one, the, for the good, yeah, one for the good ones. Yeah, yeah. So there's still a battle going on. And mm. The problem is how far this will go and how far it will carry. Because if in two years' time we do potentially have a president, Ron DeSantis, uh, which is a possibility, uh, then we may be in a very different situation. That just sends chills down my spine. <laughs> yeah, it's not a great, not a great thought. Now, uh, <laughs> tell me, what's Gl Gwyneth Paltrow has caused some uh, kerfuffle over there? What's she done this time? <laughs> Aside from calling a child Apple. 
Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. You could have just like you should have gone with Granny Smith. Or yeah, Fuji, yeah. You know? pick, pick, pick pick a type of apple. Don't yeah. just go the broad no, just, apples. Yeah, pick, exactly. pick your favorite. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Fuji Paltrow. Yeah, now. yeah. Now that that's got a ring to <laughs> it. It does. Yeah. It does. Uh, <laughs> she um, <laughs> look. We know Gwyneth Paltrow is just sort of removed from reality in a lot of ways. She's yeah. had a, a very privileged, very fortunate life. Now, I don't think there's any malfeasance in anything that she's mm. trying to do. I, I really think she's trying to do things quite sincerely, like from, from, from a good place of her heart. But it comes across really badly. Look, <laughs> a few years ago, she got in trouble for people, you know, when she put out her cookbook to try to get people to eat healthy. She's like, I just don't understand why people don't eat healthy here. I just don't get it. So, well, uh, income yeah. gaps, mm. food deserts, you know, the working poor, you've heard of these things. I just don't understand it. So, that didn't go down well. <laughs> This time she was on Hayley Bieber's podcast and she said that she was talking about working in the industry. Now, this is very because it's created a lot of conversation amongst a lot of my acting friends here. And she said that uh, they, referring to people who are siblings or offspring of people already in the, in, the, uh, in the industry, have to work twice as hard to be taken seriously or to be successful in the industry. Well, I mean, anyone has to work hard anyway. Yeah. Whether you, whether your last name is Paltrow or, or a Patel or whatever, even you're Margaret Qualley, Andrew, Andy McDowell's daughter. But to prefix that, she said, oh, but we do have more opportunities to get into it. And that's where it starts and finishes. You have the opportunity. Mm. You are born into the industry. Okay. You have people who are already actors or directors or producers or agents in your family. By proxy, you are going to have more opportunities to be in that industry. And that's the toughest part for artists. Now, whenever I speak to actors back in Australia, and we all ask this question, how do I get seen? Mm. How do I get in? How do I get in for auditions? How do I get an agent? That's the question that there's really no answer to. There's so many different ways that can occur. But if you are born as a Chalamet, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> or someone like that, uh, I mean, Paulina Chalamet, Timothy Chalamet's sister is doing just fine. Um, Be Beanie Feldstein, uh, Jonah Hill's sister is doing just fine. You know, you've got Philip Seymour Hoffman's son leading up Licorice Pizza. There's a lot of there's a lot of nepotism already out there, and and if you are fortunate enough to have that, then you're already so many steps ahead of mm. anybody else because then you have time and opportunity, which is what costs a lot of people money to live over here. So it's. <laughs> That's the important part. Yeah, fine. Maybe you have to work hard when you're in the door. Fine. Go prove yourself, whatever. But it's getting in the door that is sometimes – that is the toughest part for a lot of people pursuing this career. And uh, when you look across the landscape of actors out there right now, you've got Morta Patow on, on things like – on a show like Euphoria. Um, Margaret Qualley, of course, heading up uh, shows like Made. It, it's It's – really really common it's not nothing new of course as we no. know scott khan james khan's yeah. son is out there doing great work as well but if you are born into this or if you're born into that realm already you are so far ahead of so many other people and that's really really important to understand that's uh, the yeah. most important part. i just don't get it i really don't you're with tracy mack on newcastle live we're talking with zach garrett live from la i mean you know when you when you have a surname and a you know a family and a mother like like gwyneth paltrow has it really is it's a lot easier for for gwyneth paltrow to become famous and known and get in the doors than it is for you know for zach garrett isn't it of course, yeah. yeah. Like if Blythe Dan is your mum, you, you're going to have more mm. opportunities than anybody else. It's as simple as that. And it's just by proxy of being around the industry. I mean, Ron Howard talks about it. Russell Crowe has talked about it, about being around it and being in proximity to it. So th that's the thing is 
if you grow up in it, you're going to know the people in the positions to speak to. So then one day you do a great audition, or you do great work or something like that, you can tap that person on the shoulder and they'll look at it straight away because they've known you for since you were a mm. child, for example. Um, for myself and so many other actors, I mean, we're having lunch with, with some mates of mine here who are still really successful. They're really successful. Uh, but they had to and still have to work their way into everything. Everything starts out at some point. And then eventually you get that great opportunity, that great audition that can potentially change things. But mostly for 95% of people in this industry, they come to Los Angeles, you get the part-time job that you hate, you do the hustle, you're doing everything to get the opportunities just to get in the door that some people are just born into. Mm. And that's fine if you have that. If you have mm. that, that's your good fortune. But acknowledge that and understand that. That is the most crucial part. And understand how <laughs> lucky you are. Understand how lucky you are. Yeah, now, exactly speaking of, right. uh, of luck and, uh, and just incredible, I finally had the chance to see Elvis on the weekend. Oh, wow. Wow, man. Your mate, it's Austin. Cool, holy it? heck. Yeah, Austin's great. He, he's, he's fantastic in it. And I think that we're talking about, I think we talked about before I went to see it, is getting good people in the role, mm. you know, versus getting someone who looks like him exactly or seeing someone play that role, you know, seeing so-and-so as such-and-such, for example. Um, he, he just, he, like, it sort of reminded me when Kate Blanchett played Elizabeth. Yeah. He just did it his way. He was, he was, he was Elvis. Like, he was the embodiment mm. of it, but it was still Ostie doing the role. Oh, but, oh, my goodness. Just, it, it's a great film. It's got a lot of inertia to it. It's really sad as well. And you know what? It was very much, I mean, I've quite openly said, you know, what I think of, of Baz Luhrmann films. And yeah. this was not like a traditional Baz Luhrmann film. This was gritty. It The dialogue was exceptional. You know, the, the way that he just brought this story to life. And, and you know, I mean, there was a lot yeah. of Elvis's as life that, um, you know, wasn't a part of it. But wow, just the way that he brought yeah. this to life. Oh man, he's. Uh, I, I walked away, and I've been a lifelong um, Elvis Presley fan, and uh, yeah. I walked away from it going, man, this guy nailed it. Both both Austin Butler and um, and Baz Luhrmann, they nailed yeah. it. They did. They really, really did. Mm. And it was it was funny because Tom Hanks, because I had no idea about the Colonel. I didn't know his story mm. or anything like that. And Tom Hanks was extraordinary as the Colonel mm. as well, um, and particularly played off Ostie and how great Ostie was. Mm. And then the the wonderful dabbling of other Ostie actors, and he had David Wenham pop yes. up in it, and Cody Smith McPhee, and yeah, yeah, that Richard was great Roxburgh to see. playing his dad. Oh, Richard yeah. Roxborough was brilliant. Yeah, Rox was awesome. Absolutely he was so, brilliant. So good. Mm. Yeah. No, it was yeah, and, uh, and it was such a testament to the Australian uh, Australian film industry, you know, to see because it was filmed on the Gold Coast, wasn't it? All of it. Yeah, mm. the whole thing, such fish, and that scene in Beale Street still blows my mind. And that beautiful actress in it, she was forty four. She only died this week. She's singing Hound Dog in, mm. in the in the club there in Beale Street, and God bless her, she only just died this week, um, which was quite a shock to everybody. But yeah, the, the way they they made that scene, they brought it to life. Oh, it was spectacular! It really was. Well, if you haven't uh, if you haven't caught up with Elvis yet, make sure you do uh, get out and have a look at it. Get out and uh, and just show your support for the film industry. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. And very sadly, you're not a billionaire this week. I know that uh, yeah. the lottery went off so and you didn't win it. Somebody in Illinois got it, so I guess we'd just be happy for them. So one person in the middle of Illinois has 1.2 billion US dollars in their pocket today. So <laughs> that, that would have made auditioning a hell of a lot easier. 
It would. I think it would have greased quite a few wheels. I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> look, you stay very, very safe. We'll catch up with you. Uh, catch up with you next week, and uh, yeah, I'll look forward to the weather report next week. Oh, I'm sure it'll be probably the same. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend. You stay safe, and we'll chat then. Thanks, Tracy. See you. Thanks, mate. mate. Bye. Bye. That is uh, Zach Garrett joining us live from LA and he joins us each and every week and it is, uh, it's wonderful to have him on and uh, he always gives us a bit of a unique perspective on what's going on over there. Newcastle in the morning takes you through the big events and the most talked about stories of the day that matter to you and your life. From what's on to what matters, Tracy Mack takes you beyond the headlines. What it is, why it matters, and how it impacts your daily life. Tracy Mack brings you Newcastle in the morning, weekdays from 9 on Newcastle Live.